I'm Shannon. I'm Mark. And this is Dirt Sailor, the podcast. You can find us on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. We also have Facebook and Instagram pages under Dirt Sailor Podcast. Happy Throat Punch Thursday. Happy Throat Punch Thursday. What? He said Throat Punch Thursday. Somebody reminded me that I just say Happy Thursday. I forgot the first part of it. So Happy Throat Punch Thursday. Yeah. Another day. Glad to be here. Glad I to am be recording. Excited. excited to be here. Happy to talk to all of our listeners. Thank A- you for listening. Absolutely. And thank you for some of the kind words of wisdom from some of my coworkers and some of the um, question and answer I had with them so we could put together a little bit of uh, this podcast today. We're happy you're listening. Please remember to reach out anytime. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram. You can send us a message there. You can uh, post on our page, send us a, a DM or a Facebook message. We'd be happy to talk and interact in the manner that you wish to be spoken with. Awesome. So what do you have for us today? Let's talk about kids and masking, since that still seems to be in the news. All over the news. Even though the CDC officially tomorrow is going to change the policy and rules on masking, I believe. Again? Again, for the 35th time. Again, again? I, I can understand changing it because we have new information and we develop you know, a better understanding. But unfortunately, the CDC doesn't exactly bring confidence when they withhold and when they take kind of a long time to interpret data that people have been using for more than a year. But anyway, I I would like you to go into your piece. Well, unfortunately, cause and effect with children wearing masks is the fact that it creates a couple of problems. The first problem is whether you use a cloth or a medical mask, a visual barrier from the student being able to see the teacher for nonverbal communication causes an issue with the kids. They need to see mouth, lips, teeth, tongue, and cheeks. It really helps them in the learning process, especially children that may have learning disabilities or deficits. If the child's unable to attain a visual cue, By hiding the speaker's face behind a mask, it really sets them back and puts them way far behind. That's one thing. Absolutely it does. The second is the voice of the teacher is attenuated. There's no real science behind wearing these masks with children due to the fact that deaths in children, and no death is a good death by any means. Please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But the total numbers nationwide with almost a million people gone from COVID and other comorbidities. Under one year of age, there's only been 203 deaths since 2020. Under how, what age group was Under that? one year old. Okay. One to four, there's been 93. Five to 14, 244. And then 15 to 24, there's been 2,347. And that's closer to the upper end of that scale, closer to the 24-year-olds. Okay, so it sounds like we get a wider age group, five to 14. So if we were to kind of do the math on that per capita, it's actually quite small. Yes. Um, given that that's a, a almost a 10-year, no, that is a 10-year age group versus the one to four. So we have a three years right there. And then, of course, under the age of one, that's that's quite a number of babies. 
Yes, and unfortunately, there is always an underlying issue with these deaths. I don't believe there was one that I saw in the article that equated a normal, healthy kid, which doesn't mean there wasn't one there, to death by COVID. Every one of these poor young kids, boys and girls, had some type of comorbidity or they had an underlying medical issue. And believe it or not, for little kids like that, one of the biggest ones was obesity. If you look at our population as a whole, so if you look at, at parents, are they what are they doing? You kind of mimic your parents. And so I noticed that with me, you know, if we're eating certain things or drinking certain things, the kids are asking questions. Why do you get to drink coffee? Why do you put creamer in it? Why do you... Mommy, why do you have that? Why do you drink this soda? Or why do you eat this? We have a big impact on what our kids see as healthy. And so I can definitely see a parent doing something and then their kid sees that as a version of this is what I'm supposed to do. 100%. And if you look at going out to a restaurant, going out to a fast food place, you have adult-sized meals and kid meals well, sometimes I feel like the kid meals should be the adult size meals, and then there should be a smaller version of that meal to eat healthier, but instead it's how much more can I get, you know, can I get the extra large fries, or can I get onion rings instead, and our kids see that, then they want to start eating like us, so they don't want the Happy Meal all the time, no offense, McDonald's, they want, you know, whatever their parents are having, so they want the toy with... <laughs> With whatever food that is. So we, we teach them to eat unhealthy. And our go, go, go lifestyle doesn't help either because then we're always picking up fast food. Well, absolutely. And say you take a road trip from where we live to Southern California or Northern California, there is no healthy fast food places along the way. It's all stuff that's really, really not that good for them or you. Right, you got to pack your own if you want something ultra healthy, which may not be the most convenient to eat on the go. Right, but you think about these as school age kids, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade and at 24, some young college kids. Yet we have organizations that have blasted physical fitness in schools. So now you have kids that uh, physical fitness is not mandatory. We so are you, definitely not yeah. teaching them good. You're looking at a, a form of obesity there as well. Which this goes right into it, schooling, masking. Apparently, the number of kids that are being picked on in schools is at an all-time high. As a matter of fact, approximately 43% of kids across America have had or suffered some form of bullying. And the numbers aren't accurate because there's a lot of non-reporting because kids are scared of retaliation. Yes, so locally, at a junior high here, I believe the, the school's Kasner Middle School. Okay. A mother by the name of Holly Hayes had a little discussion with the news outlet about bullying with her son at school and how it had been taking place for months and months. And finally, the kids followed this young lad to a grocery store. When he walked in the grocery store, they walked in behind him, started their cameras on their phones, beat him up, and posted it all over social media. And when the parent complained to the school, they gave that customary line, 
oh, we're looking into it. We're going to use whatever full force of, you know, the law we have and what's within the school district, and we will handle it. However, let us remind you that punishments are confidential, so the parents won't really know if anything's done to the child or not. Isn't children. that nice that you, oh, we'll handle it, and you have no idea. You get no idea what happened. You know, oh, it's confidential. We're not going to tell you whether or not we did, if we did, and how much we did. Right. And apparently this is an ongoing problem at this middle school, not just with this young lad, but with other students as well, boys and girls. So obviously they're not using expulsion or whatever the full force of the district is if this is continuing to happen. Correct. Well, and... If you look, it's funny how some districts do take things seriously and other districts seem to not take things seriously enough. I don't know if it happens to be what state you're in, what city you're in, who, you know, the governing board, things like that. But there was another school where the this young girl was framed. She was framed for uh, sending threatening messages to fellow students. And she... Once the messages were sent, the cops were called, and this girl sat in juvenile detention for, I think it was something like nine days while they investigated. The school immediately referred to the police and cooperated, and that led to this girl being put in juvenile hall. Now, it turns out that another girl had done this. Uh, She created fake social media pages pretending to be this girl and then sent the threatening messages to herself and others and then she turned the girl in for her crime this young girl had been bullied by the same girl who ultimately created the fake social account and and sent the message so it was a new way of bullying the bullying messages when when the parent requested that it be investigated and something be done They went unheeded. Nothing happened. The girl stayed at school and she had to endure more bullying by the same girl. So then once she created the fake social media pages and and then started sending the threatening messages, now her victim spent nine, I think it was nine days, spent nine days in detention before it was ultimately determined that she did not do it. And then it's unclear because it is not... It's with a juvenile, so it's unclear what happened to the other girl. If she's spending any time in jail, if she's spending any time in detention. But the school and the police right away were on the victim because she was now a quote-unquote perpetrator. They didn't investigate it to make sure that it was actually her first. They just assumed it was and then went full steam ahead. Well, different eras are quite unique And I'm really surprised, and I'm not condoning or advocating that a student beat up another student. But a little quick sidebar story. When I was in seventh grade at John F. Kennedy Junior High, basically the same thing happened to me, but I wasn't bullied for a prolonged period of time. I was beat up by three young lads at one time, and I didn't think that I could take all three of them on at the same time at that time in my life. So I actually have a pretty good memory and I programmed their facial features into my memory. And I systematically over the course of the next month and a half beat the out of all three of them one at a time. 
That's one way to handle it. It was a little payback, but I did it on my time frame and I did it one at a time. And I don't know this kid and I know they threw a bunch of racial slurs and epithets his way. So I'm assuming he was a young man of color that I'm hoping they didn't hurt him too bad and they didn't mess up his psyche too bad. And he has the ability to bounce back and say, you know what? It happened. I'm moving on. So what I don't get is that I understand that schools will or won't be involved, but that's an assault. So why are they able to say that your assaulter could remain at school while we investigate Well, and when this, others get jailed right away? Yes, and within this school district, and I don't know if I can say it, but it's Clovis Unified, um, you can't even wear a baseball cap or a T-shirt of a certain color or with a certain logo on it, but they seem to go soft on bullying. And doesn't make sense. No, no, the two don't go hand in hand, for sure. So speaking of our our schools and our educational system. Do it. So there is a new lawsuit on, and the lawsuit is claiming that there's an unconstitutional admission process that is going on based out of, there's New York City, Fairfax County, Virginia, and Montgomery County, Maryland. And there are challenges to admission policies for K through 12 select schools that offer advanced curriculum. So there's a a group that's going after these schools because the students must apply and be chosen to go to these schools. And those who have applied and they'll either have the best grades or you have to have certain activities, they are changing it to not no longer be a merit-based program with race-blind admissions testing to get into the school, but instead it is a race-based admission process, and it is now targeting Asian students and discriminating against them because they're too populous at these schools. So they are now targeting Asian students and no longer allowing as much consideration for them to get in. How dare them want to grow and get really educated and become super duper members of society. So what this really brought out for me is that you have these specialty programs and people are trying to get into it. So now we're, we're going to say it doesn't matter what merit you have behind it. It doesn't matter how good you do in school. We're going to now give weight to your race and I understand in part what they're trying to do, but unpopular opinion here, all students should have access. All students should have access to the possibility of having the best program and the best classes, not, okay, well, you had that opportunity in, let's just say, fifth grade to apply for sixth grade and you didn't get it, so it's over for you. Maybe you can try again in high school, maybe not. But you shouldn't just get the leftover education. If halfway through your your ninth grade year, you just have a turnaround that you didn't have before, it shouldn't be, well, too bad. We had those admission processes in eighth grade and we're not offering those classes to you anymore. You know who does that? Who does that? Communist countries. You start testing at a young age and they start separating people based on their testing. And then when they get to a certain grade, that's where you see the fork in the road And even if you mentally have that come to Jesus thought and you start figuring things out, which some people are late starters for sure. 
right? Or we don't all learn the same way. Yeah, so then finally yeah. you have somebody who presents the information in a way you finally get. And I will say this happened to me when I was in high school. I had a rough, rough freshman year. Very rough freshman year. I was not eligible to do AP English my sophomore year because I just cliff dive bad freshman year. So then I get into regular English. I wasn't in um, AP to begin with, but I don't get into sophomore year AP English because I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't ready for that, whatever. I was not eligible to get into junior or senior year AP English or anything else for that matter. If you didn't start right away, you were just on a different track. It's like, okay, so you have a bad freshman year. We're just going to push you aside. You have a bad sophomore year, we're just going to push you aside. So instead of saying you can pick back up or go back down, it's, eh, sorry, time has passed for you. What's your current education level? I currently have a master's in education. <laughs> Funny enough. Isn't so, that interesting? So I have a master's in education, uh, specifically adult education. I also have an emphasis in criminal justice for that master's degree. I have a graduate certificate in immigration law studies. I was in the immigration field for over a decade, and so I went that route and got the graduate certificate. I have a bachelor's in criminal justice and associates in administration of justice. I love education. I love learning. Uh, but if you based everything in my life off of my freshman year, I would not be where I am today. That's why you can only rely on yourself and not on others for most things. And I believe one of your influences was somebody you worked for at the Veterans Hospital when you worked at the VA for a while, correct? Wasn't there a PhD doctor there that gave you a piece of advice? Yes, very influential. And uh, I got her <laughs> Yahoo Award, is what she called it. And it was something... That, you know, just to give a shout out, but definitely something that highly impacted me over a short period of time. And it's amazing what one person can do to change your outlook and essentially your outcome. I mean, you have to change your outcome, but they can have that influence. They can plant the seed, give you the influence, but it's ultimately up to you to charge forward and finish what you start. Absolutely. Which... Speaking of one person being influential, I was uh, about the same at 15 in my life. Ah, uh, yes. Went to work for my uncle down in Southern California. His name was Kenny, Kenneth Geringer. Uncle Kenny. Yes, and he put me to work as a rookie roofer, I guess you call it. A rookie little construction guy. And he actually was probably the biggest influence in my life besides my parents. He's the one that actually got me sent in the right direction because I was about to take a fork going the wrong way. And I don't know how that would have ended up. And unfortunately, uh, we lost him this week. Love him. Going to miss him. And uh, I know he's going to be up there looking down on us. And he can smile because he knows where I'm at today. Uh, he had a lot to do with it. Yes, I, and I'm glad, too. Absolutely. Do you know what industry I work in? The airline industry. I'm in one portion of the aviation industry. Yes. 
the biggest portion, I think, which is the non-airplane related part of it. Yes. I was actually at work this morning talking to one of my coworkers who happens to be a manager. You work? Occasionally. <laughs> According to a couple people there, I uh, am semi-retired and I don't work very hard. Working hard or hardly working? Hardly working. It's all appearance. I've been doing it long enough. I'm good enough at it that I can make it look easy. So when I was talking to this coworker and I asked if I could use her name, she said, absolutely. Shout out to Rosie and Blake Weber. So she is a line manager in the parts department. She's based here in Fresno. She does a lot of traveling. She handles all the line stations or stations where we have aircraft that get worked on on the line, but we don't have a maintenance ha- base or a hangar. Her husband works for a package delivery service. and I don't remember if it's uh, FedEx or UPS. I think it's UPS down in Southern California. So even though they've been married quite a while, they have an awesome little son. They both travel a lot for their work. So I was curious as to how that works out because I know how nights works for guys because a majority of our crew works after hours or they work graveyard because the airplanes are down being uh, maintained for the next day's load. And she kind of explained to me that it's a different situation that even though there's dual careers there, they're very family oriented and it works for them. So they do their traveling, they coordinate things. And then one's home taking care of the son, and then that one's gone, the other one's home taking care of the son. So I also asked how that works out for discipline and raising the kid because you have a mom and a dad, and they have different ways of doing business, so to speak. And She said that Mr. Blakester uh, tends to be a little soft on their son, and mom's more of the serious disciplinarian. I just thought that was pretty interesting, and it's pretty cool that uh, she's done this route, and he's done this route for quite a while, and they're both uh, pretty successful at it. She's gone from just a regular parts clerk to uh, a line parts manager now, which is pretty cool because I've been there forever, and I've watched all these people kind of move up. She actually left for a while, became a veterinary assistant, decided that wasn't for her, came back, and then now she's a manager. Good career. I also look at that from the avenue of people that start out, they're married because of the perils of working nights or long hours during days or traveling or whatever. They end up suffering what's called AIDS. And in the aviation industry, that stands for aviation-induced divorce syndrome, not the disease AIDS. Then I get the opportunity to look at people that are single parents and you have uh, males raising kids by themselves. You have young women raising kids by themselves, putting them into college and then having to maintain the household. And I think it's pretty noble on all parts. Um, I couldn't do it. I don't think I'm strong enough to be a single parent or a single grandparent. Um, always needed somebody behind me to give me that little extra push. But shout out to all you guys. It's an interesting field we're in and it's pretty cool watching you guys do what you do and Look forward to seeing it for a little bit longer. Okay, so jumping to local California thing, there was an arrest of 54 CHP officers on overtime fraud. Is that all in one location, or are they spread out throughout cities in California? They were mostly in Southern California from the East Los Angeles station. 
They were suspected of recording extra time when they were working on protection details for Caltrans or maintenance zones, that sort of thing. I didn't see the article, but I knew it. I knew it had to have something to do with Caltrans when they sit on the side of the road and babysit. Yes, so apparently 54 officers are being investigated for overtime fraud. You make so much money. You get paid there to sit, and potentially they have decided to try to get extra out of it. Especially when they put in more hours than there are in a week? Yes. Somehow you did more hours than there are in a week, but yet you still slept, and you still went to your kid's baseball game. And Yes, so quite an interesting set of charges so they could lose their job over a little bit of overtime. Yeah, say they're making thousands and they're going to risk it over pennies, mm-hmm. pennies and nickels. Yes. Happens in a lot of industries that they think they being people think they can put one over on the time card guides. Yep. But they will want to know why you're not doing what you said you were going to do or why the production standards have gone down. Production meaning how did you do less when you had more time? Quick story? Yes. Different airline. Same location. Sent a mechanic to the Bay Area to ground equipment mechanic, not an aviation mechanic, to work on equipment. We're checking his time and it didn't look right. So we call the hotel. We get his sign-out timer when he checked out of his room. Gentleman came back to Fresno and turned in his time card. And we matched him up, and lo and behold, he had put in time three hours earlier than when he checked out of his hotel room. Asked the young lad several times, would you like to amend your time card? I'm giving you the opportunity now. And he got a little bit flippant and said, nope, my time is my time. So we then showed him a copy of his hotel checkout from the hotel and processed his paperwork and terminated him. Yep, lying on your time card. I had an employee do that as well. They claimed that they were still on site when they had in fact left. And so they were putting in for regular time instead of using their sick leave or their vacation time because they had left early for that day for an appointment. And there they were lying about when they were there, which is something that we can see. Or someone will say, yeah, I saw so-and-so leave. I'm like, wait a minute, are you sure that that person left? Because they're claiming that they were still there that day. Happened more than one occasion, but that is theft, theft of funds. Human condition, given the opportunity to lie, I think some people would rather go that route than just be honest and tell the truth. Yep, people, um, well, they've decided, they've determined how much it was worth to them, whether it was easier to lie or tell the truth. They decided lying was easier and it didn't work out for them. Nope. So up in Canada, we have had the trucker protest that went on. So something to touch on, many of the people were actually vaccinated that were a part of the protest. They just did not believe in having to show a vax card. Or that others should be forced to show their medical card in order to have a job. So there were a variety of reasons why people were protesting. But Canada and Justin Trudeau decided that 
it was unlawful, unhinged, and they were white supremacists who were supporting Nazis, apparently Nazi flag holders. So they came in with a mounted patrol. They came in with other officers all geared up in riot gear. And the mounted patrol went through the middle of the protest and the horses stomped protesters because they were bringing horses through a very crowded area and just, you know, told them to go. Basically, they were, they told the horses to keep going. And so those horses trampled protesters. And if that wasn't bad enough, you had the Give, Send, Go platform get hacked. And anyone who donated funds through Give, Send, Go, whether it was $50, $100, $250, whatever it was, their accounts were frozen for supporting these rioters and insurrectionists, whatever words they came up with at the time. After Justin Trudeau did the Emergency Powers Act, they can just freeze the funds without a court order. So they were freezing funds and whole accounts and shutting down businesses if they were to perceived to have supported this unlawful gathering and protest. So it's quite amazing that we've seen freedom be taken away. So we talk about our Canadian counterparts and how we thought they were quite similar. Just like Australia. But it was it was hacked information is being used to go after Canadian and citizenry so people in the united states truckers decided to do a trucker convoy to our u.s capital and they're starting from different points in the united states and they are gathering up to go to dc that's the ultimate end point and apparently our government has already started calling in the national guard and they are already looking at these individuals as insurrectionists or supporting I don't even know what you want to call it these days, supporting anti-Americanism because apparently you're not allowed to protest. Somehow protesting has turned into something anti-American. Only if you burn buildings down and you shoot people or you stab them. That's are, peaceful. Are you okay? Those That's are, a peaceful those protest. Those are peaceful protests. Yeah. We have a problem with the commoner who actually makes the country work now versus the elitists who think they can do no wrong. But apparently, I will, I, I'm going to give a small smidgen of credit to Ilhan Omar, Ilhan Omar, because apparently she said going after someone who donated $250 to the Canadians is going too far. So I, I will give her some credit for She's that. She's correct on that. But it is quite amazing that we are now, you know, in favor of dictatorships. We're in favor of Justin Trudeau being a dictator. We're, he has relinquished his emergency powers now that he's gone after everyone who was pro, oh, what would so, you call that, pro-society, so <laughs> pro-freedom. I'll, I'll use the Vietnam War. So when, because it was a draft, when people did not want to be in a war and they didn't want to be drafted, they ran where did they go? They went to Canada. Went to Canada, and they were pretty much accepted with open arms, yes? Yes. So here you go again with lawbreakers, and it was okay for the Canadians back then, the leadership. And it wasn't Justin Trudeau's dad prime minister around I, that time? I believe so. Could be mistaken, but hey. Somewhere pretty close. 
So we do have a representative, a House representative, who's actually proposed temporary asylum for Canadian truckers because they are going after them and just taking their money, taking their livelihood, jailing them, talking about, you know, sticking them in jail. So apparently there's going to be a House bill. If it goes anywhere, we'll see. But for temporary temporary asylum for them. Yeah, and then we have another House member from Arizona, Democrat, mm. that says if uh, you protest as a trucker, your truck should be taken from you. And given to people who want to start businesses. Pe- yes. Isn't that a little Ruski? Isn't that a little Russian? Yes, it is. A little commie? So how many different ethnic groups do we have in America? Oh, I couldn't put a number on it. Lots? Lots. So then Mr. Biden has picked his potential Supreme Court nominee. Let's just say it's either Ms. Mrs. or Ms. Jackson. Katanji Brown? Is that how you say her name? I would say Katanji, but Katanji, that's how I'm gonna say it. Mistaken. But he is now saying that now that he picked her or he picked her because the Supreme Court does not look American. I don't understand what that statement means. Is it Justice Sotomayor is not American enough? Uh, Clarence Thomas? Not American enough. So do we have any Chinese there? Any Japanese? Chinese, Japanese. We're going to have to go Korean, with Hmong, Korean, Hmong, or, uh, El Salvadorian, Thai, Panamanian, Taiwanese, Fijian, Tongan, Samoan, true native Hawaiian, Yes, Pacific um, Islander, you can pick. Yeah, pick, pick one. A, an island. Um, Somebody from the Solomon Islands. Guam- where, where does it stop? Guamanian. I mean. Tomorrow. They, they make, these statements are, are racist at the core. Because you know what? I, I would rather put her behind a booth where you can't see her and ask the questions, do the surveys. And if she pans out, then pull the curtain out and say, there's your next Supreme Court justice. Well, what's interesting about that is she has actually been overturned on appeal. Her decisions have because she is an activist jurist. All of them, I think like 6-0 or something like that. Yeah. She has been overturned. So she, there were two others that apparently he was also looking at, and I don't believe they had the same over, you know, record of being overturned. But she had the record being the most activist jurist, and that's probably why she was picked. But I want to know if there are 57 different genders or more, why a woman? Don't get me wrong. I want to see women, but I believe in two genders. I would love to see more women on the Supreme Court as president, everything. But for the group that believes in 57 different genders, why did you pick one that's already been represented? Absolutely. And why do we need, even need live people? Why don't we have a super duper IT guy develop an app or a program that basically just looks at the Constitution as it's written? Because it's programmed by somebody through their viewpoint. As much as we would like to believe that they're independent, and it's programmed my, by that's somebody my ton- through their That's viewpoint. my tongue-in-cheek comment. Is just because they're saying that she's going to be great for the Supreme Court. She's going to give the voiceless a voice. Whatever that means. She has pre-programmed opinions, which means that 
she's not going to be impartial or look at the law. She's going to look at the law, but she's going to interpret it through her prism, through her eyes. So you're going to have a, how many people are on the Supreme Court? There's nine. There's nine. Unless they go with packing. So far they haven't, but so there's nine. So with her, it will make the court, what, 5-4? Uh, no, it will still technically be 6-3 because so. she's replacing one of the three. Okay, and there's... And they say 6-3. By the way, they don't vote They never vote like that, that way. No, it, they do not. They've gone 6-3, yes, but they've gone 5-4. They've gone 6-3 the other way. They've gone... I think there was even an 8-1 decision out of there, so... It is not party line, you know, whoever nominated them. It doesn't go that way. So Supreme Court, this type of justice goes back to Mother England? It's that type of thinking, right, yes. Right, probably before that, during the Spartans maybe? Didn't they have a Supreme Court? I don't know. Or the Romans. I think the Romans had a Supreme Court. So this, uh, this theory of thinking is pretty old. Maybe we should uh, look at it. Maybe there's a better way. One where the elitists aren't on top always? Correct. Glad you're a mind reader. Touching on the Ukrainian-Russian situation that's going on right now, there was a tweet that went out, and I can't remember who said it, but they, they were talking about possibly needing a draft if the U.S. does get involved in a third world war, if it comes to that. But the person said, draft all of the unvaccinated. <laughs> and someone pointed out, you just kicked them all out of the military, you idiot. Yeah, you dumb dumb. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting is you kick them out and then draft them. O okay, because that works. Well, it's interesting that they keep bagging on unvaccinated, yet all the new studies they say follow the science is showing that unvaccinated that have had COVID are as protected as somebody that's had two shots, if not better protected. We have longer immunities because they've gone back and looked at uh, SARS-CoV-1, which was 19 years ago. Yeah, 2003. And there's still people that have protection from COVID, SARS-CoV-1. Yeah, that happened while I was in Japan on foreign exchange that first round. And it came from the same area of China, coincidentally. Yeah, being a simpleton, like I always say, you know, follow the science, right? Go with what, not with what the CDC says, go with what the world says. And we'll just throw the CDC in there as a little booster, so to speak. Now that we have empirical data, we know that natural immunity is as good as the vaccines. And now they're finding that this pericarditis and other stuff is more prevalent than we thought. That's why the CDC just announced this week that they're going to lengthen the time between shots. Oh, because we're actually harming people, but we don't want to say we're harming people because if we're quietly harming people and we don't let them talk, they can just go off because it's misinformation. They've worked very well with social media platforms that if somebody says, I have myocarditis now, they will be shut down, their, their accounts will be canceled or blocked. So even when people tried to speak out, they weren't allowed to. 
Right. And I want to make sure that everybody that listens to us understands that just because I happen to be unvaccinated and I've had COVID and I have immunities, I'm not one of the hardcore anti-vaxxers. I'm a let's learn, let's understand, let's have some data, then let's go forward. Obviously, the true numbers bear out and they show that a lot of people were protected that had comorbidities that ended up getting the shots. But now they're finding that the stimulated or the artificial immunity is not going to hold as long as the natural immunities are. So one of the things that we have talked about previously, what has been things that are happening on airplanes We've talked about how people seem to be angrier. People seem to be lashing out more. And I'm not agreeing with that. I have, I will say I've had big anxiety flying. I love flying. I love being in the air. I, it, it holds a special place in my heart. But what I do not like and what I have a hard time with is going through the TSA checkpoints, sometimes getting randomly selected, no rhyme or reason. I've gotten selected when I was wearing my military uniform. I've gotten selected at odd hours. I mean, typically when you're in your military uniform, you don't get selected. I got I got selected. But TSA just brings me great anxiety. And so I can understand that once you're sleep deprived, you have anxiety, you get through TSA, you might have kids, you might not have kids, but you can just be anxious by the time you get on planes. And it's now you're being told that you must suffocate yourself with a mask. (laughs) Sorry, I know other people don't feel that way, but I feel like it is once my anxiety is peaked, having that mask on, I feel like I can't breathe and I have a really hard time with it. But anyway, so people are, are getting on planes and they are acting a fool. And now it is being suggested that the federal no-fly list start including people who are anti-mask and who speak out because of the mask or don't wear their mask appropriately and get kicked off a plane. And we've seen it where if babies don't wear their mask appropriately, two-year-old little babies, that they're getting kicked off planes and so they want anyone who's been kicked off a plane for not wearing a mask to be added to the no-fly list. So the no-fly list, for anyone who doesn't know, is strictly terrorism-related. So now some of our representatives and people writing for high-level newspapers about, you know, through the representatives, are saying that masking should be added as a terrorism-related item because that's what the no-fly list is. I knew it was in little two-year-olds. It's in their diapers. <laughs> so but yeah, in, so interesting thing. Go ahead. I'm no, sorry. so it's just quite interesting that they're equating anti-masking or or having a hard time wearing a mask with being a terrorist. Yeah, you know, I find that all interesting because all of the lawsuits that have come about from, and I'm kind of bouncing back just two clicks to the vaccines these people that are now pushing these mass things and the vaccine and the booster are probably the very first ones that will sue (laughs) when they find out there's something wrong with them right well the the masks themselves i'm wondering when we're going to find out that these uh masks made in china really have asbestos or 
somehow they're they're giving us other problems, chemicals and and other things like that. When are, when we find it out, it, oh oh well, oh well, that that's just part of life. Or are they going to be the first in line to sue? Or the contagion wasn't rifling through Americans fast enough, so they actually put it in the mask. Just that saying. Too. I know it's a conspiracy theory, but it's only a conspiracy until it's proven correct. Right. So I guess there was a brave Ukrainian woman that told a Russian soldier, I'm going to give you a handful of seeds. You can put them in your pocket and hopefully they'll grow when you die. Oh, really? Yeah, her video has gone viral. Wow. And there are, are many brave Ukrainians out there. I just, uh, our our world has gone kind of batty. And we look at something like that, like there is a true war there is Russia going into Ukraine and there's this all this going on and we're upset that people protested. We're calling them insurrectionists, take their trucks. We're you have just a an amazing level of crazy. I, I don't know what other way to say it. You have a Canadian MP who claims that honk honk is code for Heil Hitler. And they're using protesting, anything that you do during a protest as a reason to, you know, take you out of society. But here you have Russia invading Ukraine. And I don't hear those same people saying, let's stand with Ukraine. Let's help Ukraine in a real war or in a real attempt to overthrow a government. Now, I understand that they these are different governments, but. We have said that we'll help you, and now here we are not helping. Canada said that they would support. Um, U.S. has said they would support, and here we are saying, "Oh no, our problem is you're protesting." That that's a real bad guy, not not the actual invasion of another right. foreign country. Yeah, I was just thinking about an invasion of that foreign country. You know, when Russia went to Afghanistan, the Taliban whooped their butts. So the Ukrainian government should have went to Afghanistan and recruited a bunch of Taliban. Oh, to come. To come help them. To come help. Yeah, they wouldn't be rifling through the country so fast right now. Yeah, so going back onto our subjects of um, schools and what we're seeing at schools, whether it's masks, kids wearing masks or not wearing masks or or what direction we're going. So there was a school board member who was confronted by one of the parents because the school board member wanted masking to continue for kids, thought kids should have to just keep wearing the mask. And it was out of Montgomery County, Virginia. So the school board member did not like that they were being called out by the parent because while the school board member was trying to force mask children, they were doing things unmasked themselves. So they were essentially being a hypocrite. But when the parent called them out and said, here's basically photos of you being a hypocrite, first the school board member tried to get them kind of arrested or detained and then escorted out of the building. When other school board members said, you know what, I've had to stand up here and get, you know, kind of attacked. You can just let them say their piece. Ultimately, they decided that they wouldn't allow it wouldn't allow themselves to hear it. And so they escorted themselves out of the meeting because they didn't want to hear what a hypocrite they've been. And I just find it kind of interesting that hypocrites are the one ruling us all, 
ruling over the kids. Yes, they are. And it was a killer video watching that mother speak. And then the school board member was upset because she was showing pictures of Facebook and her, the school board member and her family members all in mask doing things together. And the school board member got mad because she was showing pictures of her family. Well, if you look at the Louisiana, was it the Louisiana governor or the mayor of New Orleans? I can't, I can't remember which one of the two. She, no, I think it was the governor. The governor. The governor of Louisiana uh, made a reinforcement of the mask requirements for indoors, among other places. And then she held a large party or was invited to a large party where she and all the guests were unmasked. So apparently the photographs are published because, hey, look at us partying and having a good time and we're happy. And then when news organizations attempt to interview regarding the indoor mask mandate and why they were all unmasked, all of the photos get deleted and nobody's talking. So we have hypocrites all over. And uh, we see it, you know, whether it's a school, it seems like the children have the least amount of leverage. So they're the ones getting harmed the most. They're the ones that mass mandates are continuing for them when parents or the adults can can skirt by and do whatever it is that they want. And we're still hiding Mr. F. Oh, yeah. Where is he? Yeah, because he's the one who helped create all this. And yep. look at what turmoil and animosity it's created between family members and fellow humans. The human condition is crazy right now. Yes. So sticking a little bit to education, not on masking, but sticking a little bit to education, we seem to have a war on parents, and we've seen it in school boards when parents stand up for their kids and their rights. We've seen school boards use police officers to go after those parents. So one thing I've heard educators say, educators that I'm friends with on Facebook and other educators talk about how parents are not involved enough in their kids' education. So why do they care now? Now they're they're talking to the school board about what's being taught. It's like, okay, well, our eyes were open, number one, because the, the education system came into our house, if you will. We could hear them when they were on Zoom calls. And so we actually had a better idea and understanding of what was going on instead of it being hidden because now when the teachers were saying don't tell your parents the parents had already overheard but i've heard educators talk about and disparage parents as not being involved enough but now they're the ones actively cutting or or continually i shouldn't say now but they've been continually actively cutting parents out of the decision making process And there's this war on parents because they try to get involved now. And there's even a law that they're trying to get passed. I think it's in California where parents will have even less of a choice and they won't be allowed to know what goes on. And so these educators are talking about where are the parents and why aren't they involved. But then when they try to get involved, they're actively shut down and pushed out. War on parents, war on truck drivers, war on common workers. You see a theme here? Yeah. They don't like the everyday person. They're trying to raise up these little communists. And and there are children. I definitely don't want my children being little miniature communists growing into big communists that are out there. 
But even a, a Texas middle school teacher was seen on video saying those conservative Christian people, they just need to die. They all need to get COVID and die. That is who's training up your child. Better wake up, America. Yes. Be involved. Be active. And I know we all have our, our things to do. I look back and I was working so much. And it seemed like there wasn't a minute for me to be involved. And unfortunately, I got very sick and I had to start taking care of my health. But the the benefit was I was able to go into my kid's classroom. I was able to see what's going on and I'm able to actively participate. And I highly encourage all of you, even if it's for 30 minutes every other month, do it. Get involved. Find a way that you can get involved. Find a way that you can watch and see and listen and and hear what's going on. Talk to other parents. You don't have to give up, you know, a whole day's worth of a vacation that now you can't take a vacation with your kid because you've gone into the classroom. I get that there's things that we save our time for and save our money for, and I respect that. But if you can do 30 minutes, take an extended lunch, Try to get off early one day. Try to go in late one day and just get involved. You absolutely have the right to know what's going on and to understand that classroom. Absolutely, and you're dead on. They need to look at that and help their kids 100%. So speaking of helping our kids, the water crisis that's going on in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it would appear that even after the military knew that there was a water problem, the children in the Child Development Center were still being given that tainted water for weeks. And so there are more places in which you can't drink the water than than you can drink the water. And the contamination problems still persist. Long-term symptoms for children still persist. And we aren't doing enough about it to support our, our military families because they, the Child Development Center has contaminated water and we're, we're not doing enough. Among all the houses, military members themselves, nobody deserves to have contaminated water. But our children are the ones that we need to protect the most. Yes, we do. 100%. Wow, lifestyle. We had a baby born 2-22-22 at 2-22 a.m. in room 2. That is awesome. That is. Blessing for the family. Very big blessing. So did you have a car coming to you via ship in the Atlantic? Like maybe a Porsche or a Bentley? Uh, Might have had a Bentley coming. So apparently hundreds of Porsches, Volkswagens, Bentleys, and Lamborghinis were on a burning ship in the Atlantic Ocean because the crew had to abandon their vessel. So uh, yeah, big fire out there. All 22 crew members, though, have safely evacuated, and they are going to have to figure out just how many of the vehicles, 3,900 of them, are salvageable. One, just mine. One beautiful Lamborghini. Just my Bentley. Oh, you had a Bentley. I wish I had a Bentley. I wish I had the money for a Bentley. I I would rather have the money for the Bentley (laughs) than the actual Bentley. Same here. I'd rather have the money. Yes. So one of our common topics that we will continue to report on is what happened on January 6, 2021. 
So we've previously talked about how not all the video has been released and they are going forward with a prosecution of many individuals, but they have asked the the defense attorneys have asked for videos so they can see different angles or they can try to piece together other information and the government has it sealed and will not release it. And so you have people who are trying to put up a defense and they they are being denied key pieces of information because some people are guilty. Well, they're not guilty yet by if they haven't been prosecuted and found guilty. Some have actually taken a uh, plea agreement, so they are guilty. Once they've taken the plea and it's been entered into a record, they are guilty uh, by by having admitted to it. But we have individuals who will go to court for the first time. Apparently, the first trial is slated to start February 28th. And so this individual has asked for more information and it hasn't been handed across with the the videos being one. But something else that has happened is they started changing the charging documents so they would remove the charging documents and put in superseding charging documents because they originally said that President, uh, Vice President-elect Harris was on site and so was Vice President Pence. And that had a, a, a slew of charges involved with entering a protected building and all of that. So I guess some of these charging documents have been pulled because neither Pence nor Harris were on site as claimed. So that some of the charges don't stand. They, so they're, they're putting in other charges and I find it um, interesting that they are changing it a year later because some of these people have been charged since January, since shortly after January 6th. One was arrested January 14th, I think it was. And his is the first case that's potentially going to trial. So you have charging documents and information being changed a year later. And all of the information is not being given to the defense. They're not giving video evidence to the defense because they're they're saying it's unnecessary. So the people who are prosecuting, the government who is prosecuting, is telling the defense what they're willing to give, what they're not willing to give, and they just have to accept it. I find that to be kind of against our system. Yeah, considering you have a degree in criminal justice, you would know it's very unfortunate that they're politicizing the January 6th thing. And I call it a thing because that's what it was. It wasn't an insurrection. It was a thing. There was a handful of knuckleheads that got a little out of hand. They're the ones that need to be punished. The people that were just there and guilt by association need to be uh, let go. Yeah, so there was the case that is slated to go to trial. The individual is charged with actually having a gun inside the building so we talked about before whether or not it was an armed insurrection or not so they are charging him with having a gun inside the building because he lawfully owned a gun and i'm not saying it would have been lawful to take it into the building but he lawfully owns a gun they seized it when they went to his house they actually seized that gun and a rifle and in one of the videos that they presented to charge him what he was carrying a holster on his hip. So because he had a holster, you can't see a gun or there. It's their job to prove that he actually had the gun, 
But because he had a holster and because he lawfully owned a gun, they've put the two together and charged him as having a a gun uh, during said crime. There's about 50,000 cameras, I'm sure, there. So if and they, they are not yeah, releasing say, the if video. If they do ever release the video before they scrub them or doctor them or alter them, then maybe we'll know what the real truth is. Yeah, will we ever know the real truth? Because they're not going after the officer that beat an unconscious woman. They're not going after the officer that, that killed Ashley Babbitt. And I'm not saying to go after, but they did not interview him during their investigation on whether it was a lawful shooting, which to me seems a little ridiculous. You can still say it was lawful, never mind all the police officers that were behind her when she went through the window. You could still call it a lawful shooting, but how do you reach that conclusion without interviewing the person who shot the gun? And then you also have video evidence. I guess the guy just came out and and said, this is me in the video. So now we have a a name to the, the video in which he's scaling the outside of a stairwell and he's attempting to get up it where the police are, but then he starts to back down it. And a police officer goes and shoves him off the stairs, which is, I think it was like two stories up. So you see him try to climb up the outside and then not really do a good job. He's like slipping off. And so he starts climbing back down and and then he gets shoved off by a police officer. I guess he wants to file a lawsuit against the police officer who injured him because he had surgeries and stuff like that. But yeah, there's no, they're not going... (sighs) I guess my problem with the situation is if someone starts acting unlawfully or starts acting outrageously and you react to what's going on, we kind of have that mob mentality. I get that. What is your culpability in the situation? Right. So it would appear that the police, because of the situation that were was going on, they just have no guilt in in anything that they did, shoving a protester, beating an unconscious person, shooting an unarmed person, it's all okay. Wonder if it was different protesters, how uh, this thing would be seen, like if BLM was there. What would have? Yeah, what would have been the viewpoint? What would be the viewpoint? I know the viewpoint of one of Epstein's former partners. He committed suicide. Oh, yes. Another individual committing suicide. Yeah, in France. (laughs) And yet, okay, so they can, they are naming everybody who uh, gave money to Gibson Go or gave money to different parties. They've been hacked at different times, not just this Gibson Go and, and giving to the truckers. There have been unmaskings, if you will, of people who have donated money across different venues for different things at different times. But you're telling me we can't figure out who Epstein was uh, curating women for? Or girls, sorry, girls. They were children. Oh, we know. They just don't want to release it. So it's kind of like this uh, Clinton-Russia collusion. And the reason I'm paralleling the two is because of suicide. Apparently one of the lawyers that was flipping on him and given up evidence, has changed his mind and decided to fight against the probe into the Clintons. 
Oh, now we don't support it anymore? No, we don't support it now because he was probably threatened with uh, suicide. That's crazy. They must have a pretty good backing because they've had a lot of people commit suicide. (laughs) Too many people. They they definitely seem to know more people that have committed suicide than I think anyone in history. Absolutely. In the 50s, I believe. Yep. And that goes way back to Mena, Arkansas, when he was a governor and running weapons and drugs out of the airport there down south. And he was part of, I'm sure, that little CIA operation. So he's protected. Do you... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Do you remember the Michigan professor who wore a space helmet and yes. went on to a profanity-laced uh, yes. video and assigned the Os- he assigned an Osama bin Laden Nobel Prize paper? Why Osama bin Laden should get a Nobel Prize or should be considered for a Nobel Prize? Is he Prize? the same one that talked about the Taliban? I think that was a Penn State professor. Okay, different professor. Okay. Yeah, so this is a, a Ferris State University professor assigned a paper to students to explain why Osama bin Laden should be considered for a Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, so he's a literal space case wearing a space helmet and using <laughs> profanity to speak about his students. Yes, he is. A.K.A. Nut job. Yeah. Well, we can all be a little bit nutty, but I think he's uh, proven he's gone. Well, he has fruits and nuts. He's not just nutty. (laughs) Too far. Yes. So something that's close to my heart, kind of, is exercise and the military. So when I was in... You know, we would get people who would say, oh, but you're just, you have lower standards, so women aren't as good. And I understand wanting to have high standards and be considered, you know, the same or better would be nice. But I do understand that we, women and men, are physically different and men on average are physically stronger than women on average. I'm not saying we have to make the standards so low that women don't have anything to pass. They just merely have to show up. I'm not advocating for that. But I do believe that asking women to be exactly the same as men is unfair. Plus, not all jobs require that women, you know, be as physically commanding as men in some regard if we're both crypto techs on a ship you know it it requires your brain muscle and not so much your your physical abilities you do have to be able to say fight a shipboard fire or protect yourself in other ways I, I get that but the army has come up with a set of physical fitness standards that are so difficult for women that most failed during the initial go-round of uh, implementation. Now, it hasn't been made permanent yet. They've been seeing how women and men do across the board, but this physical fitness standard has, has a requirement that soldiers deadlift between 140 and 340 pounds, so your smaller soldiers are going to struggle more than your 
You're not as small soldiers. So from the figures in 2020, it showed that only 66 women scored 500 points or higher out of the max of of 600 compared to 31,978 men. Now, I don't know what that is as a percentage of people who are in the military, but 66 is pretty small. And why that is important is that is your future of being able to um, promote. So if you can't pass this test, if you're not high on the physical fitness test, you're not going to be as promotable as others. So it's a, they've decided to go with this um, CrossFit style test, and it has come to the detriment of women in the military. Wow. Wow. I liked RPFT when I was in. Loved Running, it. push-ups, and sit-ups? Yep, loved them. So I would be considered the same. That was my goal. I did running at the guy's pace, the The requirement for passing. I made sure I was fast enough to pass at the guy's pace. The sit-ups I could pass, no problem. They were pretty equal between men and women. Um, and then the push-ups I did not do as well on, but that is a part of upper body strength, and I did not have as much. But lower body strength, I definitely had power there. So I think that if you can utilize your physical attributes accordingly, so I could kick somebody's butt, but I may not be able to punch them out. <laughs> That's funny. I was able to do the run in, well, the first mile in five minutes flat. Then I'd doink around a little bit on the half mile. Then I could do... Um, 100 sit-ups in the whatever required time it was. For us, it was two minutes. Yeah, I could do at least 100. And then in the push-ups, I was in the 50 to 75 range. Not too bad. Yeah, it wasn't a five-minute mile fast. I can definitely tell you that. But I, I did pass all my physical fitness tests. And I know that the Navy had a problem with it for quite some time of people not passing it would be six months out of boot camp and couldn't pass a physical fitness test, and I didn't quite understand. Didn't quite understand that. How my did un- you pass? My boot unit camp? used to give us T-shirts when we excelled. Oh yeah, that's why you always see my T-shirts that say "First Class PFT." Ah, good for top, you. Top of the class. Good for you. Speaking of lowering standards, somebody told your mother that once when uh, we started dating. So I see you've lowered your standards. Oh, lies, all lies. De- Devin lowered his standards to marry me. He's definitely the better half. So one of the uh, hiking areas in Oahu, they are looking at jail time or a fine for hiking the haiku stairs. So they they call the stairway to heaven, the stairway to heaven. So it has actually been closed or off limits to hikers. I believe since the eighties they've had it. It's very, very uh, difficult and people get injured all the time. And so those rescue operations cost a lot of money. So they've been off limits since 1987, but people often ignore the signs and go anyway so people see it on i've seen it on uh 
Instagram, people posting about them doing it. And so now it could be a fine of $1,000 and or 30 days imprisonment. I don't know if the $1,000 is enough considering just how much money it costs when they have to do a rescue operation. As a, t- a deterrent. Right. Well, they should just take people's insurance cards at the gate. There is no gate. It's locked. I know. It, they're ho- so they're actually wanna, hopping yeah. fences right. trying to get there. So you want to climb it? You climb it at your own risk. We will not come get you. Yep. So who was the first person Me. to win the Air Force Top Gun Aerial Gunnery Competition? Well, if it was Navy, I'd say Tom Cruise. Right. Who? It was a Tuskegee Airman. Nice. So they actually were the original Top Gun, the first of the first. Very cool. Yep. That's awesome. Yes. So I thought it was a a very nice piece of history considering they got leftover planes and they got leftover parts and it was just whatever they could get together. And then they learned how to fly off of these leftover pieces of airplane yeah and they wanted to live so they made them work Mm -hmm. so the first top gun competition was held by the air force and it took place in 1949 so do you believe that we should have open records as a government like public records and that government officials should be required to keep records 100 percent. okay so something that happened under hillary clinton was that she as a secretary of state set up her own server and then bleach bitted it well she didn't personally do it she had her her person do it bleach bitted it so they didn't have to would it be bitted sorry bleach bit the server so that way they didn't have to turn anything over and make records public because she said i'll tell you what i want to give you So she did that as Secretary of State, and then people were on her side. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. It's okay. Mostly Democrats and the Republicans are like, hey, that's public record. So now they're telling us that President Trump either shredded, destroyed, or took with him a bunch of documents that should be kept as a part of the presidential like requirement for documentation and going into the archives. So the same people that are telling us records don't matter are now telling us records matter. Like, if you want records to be public, you got to treat it all the same. I don't care if it was the Secretary of State or the President. It's still a Public Records Act. And if you don't want it under one, I guess, what is that? If it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander? Well, I guess our president at that time was... uh Using a burner phone. <laughs> burner phone. A burner too. phone. He was using a burner phone. He was phone. using a burner phone. He was using a non-governmental phone to do business with Hillary. And then he lied about it. Said some oh, of the communi- yeah. yeah. He said some of the communications he had no idea. And he actually did because he had some cool little code name when they would talk. Yeah, they all lies, but it, it's okay for them. It's just not okay for everybody else. What is that for thee, but not for me? This has been a podcast produced and edited by the Dirt Sailor Duo. Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, anchors away.